0: Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 10% Happier Early and ad-free. Right now, join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. So our our podcast this week was not actually initially planned as a podcast. Uh, Here's how it happened. I was assigned by my overlords at Nightline to do a story about a movie, a new movie called The Rebel and the Rye, uh, which is about uh, the legendary author J.D. Salinger, who, of course, wrote Catcher in the Rye. And as I'm watching this movie, <laughs> to my great surprise and delight, uh, I learned something that I did not know about J.D. Salinger, which was that he was really into meditation and yoga. In fact, it played a huge role in, in, um, in his own uh, mental health after having uh, served in World War II and uh, in his creative life. So as I uh, sat down to interview uh, the other day the director of the movie, Danny Strong, and the star of the movie, Nicholas Holt, I also learned that they uh, both do uh, uh, meditation and yoga. So even though the interview was – the audio is going to sound a little different because we did this as a television interview, not a radio interview. So even though it wasn't planned as a podcast, we thought we'd play – The whole thing for you, because uh, while we talk a lot about the movie, we also talk a lot about the role of meditation and yoga in their lives and in the life of J.D. Salinger, all of which is going to be really interesting. Just a little background on these two guys. Um, Danny Strong uh, is a very well-respected screenwriter. He's uh, written uh, Game Change, that great movie on HBO about the Obama-McCain race. Um, He wrote Recount before that, also on HBO, about the Florida Recount. Uh, He's the co-creator of Empire, and uh, he's also uh, acted quite a bit in Gilmore Girls and Mad Men and uh, many other things. And then Nicholas Holt, uh, young heartthrob, uh, he's the star of the movie. He plays J.D. Salinger. Um, uh, He got his big start in the movie About a Boy, and then he went on to be in this great British show that my wife and I happened to have loved years ago uh, called Skins. So it was cool to, to see him and talk to him about that. Anyway, I've said a lot here, so let me, uh, without further ado, bring you Danny Strong and Nicholas Holt, talking about J.D. Salinger. From ABC, this is the 10% Happier Podcast. I'm Dan Harris. When did you first read Catcher in the Rye, and what kind of impact did it have on you?
1: I read it, it's not part of the syllabus growing up in England, but I read it around 15 or 16. Uh, I can't remember exactly where I was, but I read it and, and loved the, the book. Um, and then and then revisited for this. It was actually really insightful and useful in terms of the audition process. I you know I read the script and loved it and learned a lot about Salinger through that. Um, and then hounded Danny and we met up a few times and then flew into New York to audition um, and read the book alongside the script then and it, it, it was really insightful to read them alongside each other and kind of compare what was happening in his life compared to to his writing in, in The Catcher in the Rye and, and compare them and then it kind of gave you this little click in my brain of kind of a little bit of an understanding into the essence of the
0: man. You said hounded Danny. Yeah. Were you hounding him for this role? did, like, I feel as though I hounded you quite a lot. It wasn't, uh, It wasn't like, it was I wasn't berating you, I wasn't yeah. like
1: standing outside your hotel, I was probably hounding my agents more to hound you and just keep on top of it.
2: It was yeah. good though, I mean, I knew he wanted the part and I was very interested in for the role, so knowing that he was passionate about the part also is exciting when you're interested in that actor for the role.
0: When did you read the book, and, and did it have a big impact on you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I read it when I was a freshman in high school, which is when I think a lot of people read it here in America, in the United States. <laughs> and it, was, uh, it, was, it affected me, I think, the way it affects many a 14-year-old, where you see yourself reflected in literature in a way that you haven't seen yourself reflected in books before. And you see a character that represents a, an angst that is something that you're feeling yourself and it makes you feel better about yourself in some way to see uh, this character that you're forced to read about is, in fact, uh, someone that you feel uh, somewhat of a kindred spirit to, uh, I guess. And it, I think it, it, if you feel alienated, you feel like an outsider,
0: uh, it makes you feel that you're not alone. You've written projects about politics, hip hop. I'm the king of hip hop. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Un- Undisputed. <laughs> Undisputed. Undisputed. Um, why this?
2: Uh, I just was, I read a biography on Salinger by Kenneth Selinsky, came out in 2011, and uh, I thought the story was amazing. I didn't know that that Salinger had gone to war. Uh, I didn't know about uh, his religious awakening, and uh, I didn't even know he was this charismatic young man of New York City who had transformed because of the war experience. And uh, it seemed to me like um, a really powerful, interesting story of a veteran uh, seeing the worst, the darkest horrors of the 20th century and to come out of that and create this masterpiece a few years later, um, I thought was a profound tale and one that also inspiring to see what um, what a veteran can achieve, what, you know, to take that horror and to take that nightmare and to come out of it and create this book that then Changes so many lives and has gone on to change lives decade after decade after decade.
0: I was really surprised by a lot of the things I learned about Salinger as a man. Um, were you? What surprised you the most?
1: Uh, yeah, the, the the war part of his life, I knew nothing about. You know, landing on D-Day, fighting through the and Forest, all of that. But then, you know, the 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 results of that, him coming back, finding the Vedanta Hindu religion, um, and then his. You know, the thing that I found most inspiring about him in research was just his dedication to his art and his willingness to to write you know as a as a meditation but and and, and for not not for the rewards of what he might receive from it um, I found that really inspirational and remarkable and um, that was something that I really took away from from doing the project
0: I had no idea even as like a meditation evangelist that that Salinger had this spiritual awakening. Mm. He was very ahead of his time. He yeah. was really ahead of his time. Yeah. Can you? What did he find, and what did it do for him?
1: Uh, do you want to answer that? No, uh, well, he, he met Swami. How met, yeah. How do you? How exactly did they meet?
2: That I don't know.
1: Yeah. yeah. We've, we kind of fictionalized that. We fictionalized. That, um, I, I just know he became a disciple of him. But yeah. I don't yeah. Actually and we know went to where the. the the temple up. What what street was it on?
2: Uh, We went to two temples. Yeah. I think one was on 72nd and one was on 96th. And the one on 96th had a lot more money than the one on 72nd. (laughs) And it was the one that Salinger went to. So I don't know if he donated to it or not, but it was very different. Yeah, but there's
1: that meditation and that peacefulness because, you know, he did suffer a lot of PTSD. And and in, in that era, it wasn't as recognized or understood. So or even um, existed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, that was a huge part of him being able to write again and, and also just trying to find peace from all the horrors he saw and more.
0: Did you dabble in any of what he uh, studied just to get ready for the role?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. And we took up yoga and, 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 yeah, as I say, went and meditated and all those things. And Danny asked me to, to I mean, this isn't to do with that related, but to write short stories in the build-up as well. Oh, really? Um, so we'd write stories and, and just try and and wire that part of my brain because you know that's not something your perception of the world around you and and how you associate things completely changes with that so um it was all yeah all these little things and ideas that danny had that kind of formulated into the role
0: that's actually i mean i'm not an actor but it sounds like pretty serious prep if you're writing stories meditating and learning yoga that's
1: and in dance classes. And dance classes and and dance classes. and, 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 and creating an accent and yeah it was yeah there's a lot of prep but that's you know part of part of the job and that's if you if you prep right then in theory when you turn up you're ready and can and then Danny then can mold the performance into what it needs to be.
0: T- tell me about the, the yoga and meditation for you. Did was it meaningful for you and have you kept doing it?
1: Yeah I've kept doing it. I love it. I found yeah I find it very useful uh, and I found it you know great. Just peacefulness, but also time to actually. Even though you're not really
0: meant to think about things, mm-hmm. I
1: find it a really good quiet time away from everything else to think about the character or the story and 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 go over things.
0: So how much how much time will you dedicate to it on an average day?
1: Um, I don't know. It depends. If I'm going
0: to a class, then an an, an hour, an hour and a half. Oh, like a to a yoga class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But have you found that it's showed up in your life in a, in a in a real way?
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. It varies. You know what? Those things are also they feel very intangible when you try and quantify them a little bit. But yeah, I agree. I think it's been positive, but it's very difficult to be like, yeah, it's definitely made me more. I think at times it's made me more peaceful and conscious
0: and and
1: positive things definitely, but not always. It will slip up.
0: It, absolutely. Absolutely, we, I, we we will always retain the capacity to be morons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and what about you? Do you reserve my right? Yeah, yeah. No, reserving it right now. <laughs> a moron. Do you? Did you get into yoga and meditation as part of
2: this, or? I've I've been into yoga and meditation for quite a while now, and find it. Uh, I wish I did more yoga, uh, because I really love it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, for also as an exercise, I do hot yoga, uh, but uh, as a sort of a mental exercise, I find myself. Um, sharper, more, um, less judgmental. Um, I find meditation. I uh, meditate three minutes every day, and uh, I find it extremely helpful for my work as a writer. Um, I feel more creative and more focused, and more the, the ideas come easier when I meditate. And when I don't meditate, uh, it's just a, I'm, it's just I'm a little more on my heels on that writing session, and then I'll be, I'll, I'll be struggling a little bit or. And, uh, and then I'll remember, I didn't meditate this morning, and then I'll start cursing myself out, which is the opposite of what meditation is uh, supposed to bring <laughs> about. But, uh, but, yeah, I do. I find it uh, really, really subtly but significantly helpful.
1: Danny's writing of this script was the best thing I'd read for so long. Literally, the script, just it, it came to life. It flowed so beautifully. Well, thank Each you. cut and break and every scene and character. Like, it, I f- it was literally, I read it, and I was like, this is, this is a wonderful script. It was amazing to read
0: part of that is brilliance and part of it was meditation. Yeah, but, meditation. Also, but also that
1: wonderful thing that then the more research, I did, the more I read, how how you'd managed to take his life and translate it, you know, it's difficult in a hundred pages of a script to to cover so much ground and so many major events of his life, but to cover them so, yeah, concisely like that was remarkable.
2: Well, I think also the, the meditation yoga angle uh, was another reason that drew me to the project, uh, was it just... I just thought, oh, I've been there. <laughs> and nowhere, I've never suffered the trauma that he suffered, but the way that those things helped him in his writing and in his life uh, helped me in my writing and my life. And so I had a, a, an attachment to it and thought, what a neat way to dramatize the positive attributes of meditation. I, it's not something you often see in a film because it's not very dramatic, someone sitting there meditating. But when you see uh, what it does for him and how it helped him Get through the PTSD, which personally I don't think he ever fully recovered. As I think many veterans never fully recover, um, or even recover at all. Um, I think that was part of him going to the going away to the woods and, and spending fifty years of his life, the last fifty years uh, alone writing. Um, and he wasn't a recluse or isolated, as he's famous to be. Uh, he was part of the community, but nonetheless, he he wrote for all those years and never showed it to anyone. And to I see that as another form of meditation and another form of therapy, uh, which I thought was very fascinating and um, quite beautiful, actually. Does he strike you as a nice man? No, no, I don't get that from him at all. I get, I, I know that I think his son had a really good relationship with him and I think there are people that had uh, good relationships with him. I, I um, you know, there's been some negative memoirs uh, about him uh, one from his daughter that his son refutes, so I don't know him well enough to say that there's no kindness in him But I think it's it's complicated. I mean, he's a complicated person. Yeah
1: Yeah, he was very cutthroat in his relationships if, if he felt like someone had taken advantage of him or crossed him in a way and, and you know, there was that one story about the when he published the story in it Cosmopolitan magazine and they I mean, changed, changed the, title. the title. Yeah, and they met up and he scolded him for it, and then never spoke to him again. And he could cut people out of his life very quickly like that if he felt like they'd wronged him.
2: And I think he did that all through his life. He yeah. was constantly cutting people out. And I know people like that uh, that constantly cut people out of their lives, and I don't think it's healthy. Right, um, it's a good way to live your life. So
0: clearly, the meditation and yoga didn't f- deal with every. Idiosyncrasy. Yeah,
2: I mean, and I, who's to say what it did or didn't deal with unless you were with him every day? I mean, this is all speculation right. to, to a certain extent.
0: But it, and actually, he, from what I've read, he actually, and you undoubtedly both know a lot more about this than I do, so you can fill in after what I say what I say. Um, he actually went on to kind of dabble in a lot of different religious traditions, including the early versions of Scientology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this was in his daughter's memoir, which, once again,
2: his his son refutes but she does talk about him having quote-unquote the religion of the weak, and that he would jump to different religions and when I see that uh, I see someone trying to find some sort of peace or trying to heal themselves in some some way I see a racing mind that is uh, looking for some sort of answer and uh, I think that's a very clear symptom of PTSD and that perhaps if if there was medication or therapy or, you know, something else besides the self-therapy that he found himself, uh, the, you know, the yoga and the meditation, the writing, um, and the way he would eat. He would eat uh, homegrown food and raw foods. And that's just another uh, something I view as, as a way of someone's trying to heal themselves to a certain extent.
0: Yeah. That makes sense.
2: I mean, it's all speculation, but, it, but that's what it feels like. I mean, I think the clues lead you there in a way that...
0: third line free on essentials via monthly bill credits versus comparable available plans plan features may vary credits stop if you cancel or change plans the weather is getting warmer time to ditch my jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees I used to waste my money on clothing that would only last one season. That was until I found Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I will be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands by partnering directly with top factories. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. I just made a big order at Quince.com. I got two pairs of sweatpants that I've just had for like a week and I already love them. I'm wearing them all the time sweatpants are a huge deal to me uh, because i work from home and i want to look reasonably good you know in front of my wife and stuff but uh, i want to be comfortable and uh, the quince sweatpants uh, do the trick for me the bottom line is uh, they've got good looking stuff at low prices not a bad recipe you should go ahead and upgrade your wardrobe go to quince.com happier for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash happier to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash happier. After having inhabited this role, do you have a sense of why he took himself out of the mix so thoroughly for, for you know, the last 50 years of his life? I mean, it's big speculation again.
1: Um, but at, at the same time, it's one of those things where I think to be able to walk away when you've reached a level of success like that is a, is an extremely bold and, and and noble thing to do in many ways. And to and to not publish and and to kind of completely dedicate to the art without reaping any rewards. You know that Bhagavad Gita saying. So it's kind of that that crazy thing whereby he was managed to managed to find the ultimate peace through that. In some ways, I think. But it's, it's, it's very complicated because a lot of the time, particularly nowadays, if you stepped away from something when you started to get slight success, it, it, people would view it from the outside as being that you couldn't achieve what you wanted or it was the business rejecting you in a way. So for him to, to be able to remove himself from it, and perhaps also it's to do with society in the sense of like, you know, he grew up, you know, upper middle class and, and was part of that. Uh, you know upper society at the stork club and all those sorts of things but not quite fully accepted and he wrote about a lot of that you know in in his work so maybe it was that thing of suddenly being the toast of the town and and suddenly people shifting gears I think you get to suddenly see a lot of fake and different attributes in people that maybe aren't too appealing when when you get success like that um so maybe that was to do with it as well
2: yeah I mean I have a, another theory on it which is if you If you buy into the theory that his writing became his meditation, right, or his writing became uh, a religious connection to God, Um, uh, publishing uh, and even showing people you're writing uh, brings on judgment, brings on all these things that gets in the way of the meditation. And it, it's, it, it's the opposite of the meditation if you're, if you're trying to publish and, and you've got reviews and galleys and, and literally, I mean, showing anybody the work. You're going to get feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and perhaps that was... He didn't want that. He just wanted to write for himself. And he would say that, that I just want to write for myself. Uh, and he certainly did for decades.
0: And maybe if you're doing this as some sort of spiritual exercise, entering the marketplace is profane in some way. It's the opposite of yeah. a spiritual exercise. Yeah. yeah. So is all of this... All of this stuff he wrote, is this just sitting somewhere and we'll never see
2: it? Um, Well, there was a documentary that came out in 2013. And at the end of the documentary, it states that there's five books. um, And it has the log lines of each book. It's very specific. And it says that uh, they will begin to be published sometime between 2015 to 2021. So if that's accurate, then perhaps we will be getting books soon. Um, I I, I personally don't know. Uh, I have a strange
1: feeling that we won't.
2: You don't think so? I don't so?
1: know why. Yeah, I have a strange. I mean, how incredible would that be to kind of suddenly get an insight into what was going on in his mind for the, those past 50 years? But I don't know why I have a sense that we won't see them.
0: I don't know either. I, I literally, I have, I have no idea. I mean, he is a, an incredible enigma, yeah. a real mystery.
2: And there's no other sourcing about the books besides the documentary and some articles that came out around that time, but I've, I haven't been able to find any information about them since then.
0: Uh, I'm curious for for you Nick in terms of the personal resonance of the role one of the uh, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate aspects of being a celebrity is that you get a lot of people uh, asking questions about your private life you've had to deal with that playing a guy who was so insistent on privacy did that have some sort of personal resonance for you
1: yeah, I think there's a certain level. It's very, it's very different nowadays, where there's there's a brilliant level to people sh- sharing and having you know contact through social media and things, where people that are experiencing similar issues, uh, and when they talk about it, then then there's a there's a great ability to to help people through that. But at the same time, I think for, for acting and playing roles, it's best if possible that people don't really know anything about you, so that when they walk into the cinema, they're not thinking like, oh, I know that guy had this happen last week, or I know he eats that or was there yesterday, you can be like, that's, you know, for this next hour and a half, J.D. Salinger, or, or whoever the character is you're playing.
0: But what about for you personally? Does it feel invasive?
1: It depends. It can at times. It can also be lovely. You know, you know there can be a, a brief moment where someone walks down the street and says, hey, I just want to say how much I like your work, and then carries on the day. And then there can be the, the other instant where you end up in a strange situation where there's lots of people with camera phones, and that's obviously changed things a lot. And there's lots of photos to be taken and things like that. But, you know, that's also... Very much, you know, where you go and, and what you do. So it's to be expected at times, and also you can remove yourself from it.
0: I'm watching you in the movie reacting with fury to the fact that some high schooler put a simple interview in the local paper, yeah, and then yeah, I'm yeah. thinking, well, there have been times where stuff's been in the paper about you that you must have like kind of wished wasn't there.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But then that's a, that's also that's a very strange, a, yeah, because obviously you get felt anger and hurt, and and you feel you do feel betrayed in a way, where you're like, this person doesn't know me, these aren't truths, and this is a horrible attack in a way, but then also you just have to kind of take a step back and realize that it's someone, you know, that doesn't know you, and they're trying to sell a story, so.
0: Danny, this is your, as you know, this is your directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Um, I read somewhere that you described this as one of the most difficult professional things you've ever had to do. Why? Yeah, it's hard.
2: It was very challenging. What one to uh,
0: take on for the first.
2: Yeah, I think it was very hubristic taking on this subject matter for the first. I had such a personal connection to it that it felt so right uh, that I should direct this as a writer myself um, and having had experiences in his struggling days and uh, the meditation and the yoga. you know, There was just a lot of personal connection to, to uh, the journey of the writer and that's ultimately what the film's about. But um, it's very difficult subject matter, very loaded subject matter. People are very opinionated about it. And it's actually just um, hard to make these stories work as movies. Um, I, uh, part of me thinks I should have done a movie where there's a gun and a car chase and a bomb and it's a ticket. I mean, it's much easier to make that exciting and interesting and engaging. Um, but you know the hope is, well, this is much more difficult, but <clears throat> if we can pull it off and make it work, It'll be special and unique and and uh, something that you don't normally see every day, so it's uh, you're you're more on a tightrope uh, with it.
0: You had a not a huge budget, and you were shooting on a really uh, short uh, timeline uh was Was that stressful, and did your meditation help at all um it was the you know it was a
2: twenty six day shoot, which is very short for a film. It should have been forty days, right, and the budget was much smaller than a budget. Uh, for a period piece like this and the, the scope and the ambition we had should be. Um, so it just was really challenging. And, yeah, I meditated every day, and it, it was absolutely helpful. Another thing that was incredibly helpful was I would take naps at lunch, and I wouldn't eat lunch. I would go take a nap, uh, and, and it would energize me for the rest of the day. So even just shutting my eyes for 15, 20 minutes uh, was, was extremely helpful. But
0: Did he seem calm to you?
1: Yeah, he was super prepared and on top of things. And that was, you know, it is a fast shoot. I was just remembering it was strange coming back to Columbia today because we shot at the stairs mm-hmm. over here one day. But you're doing a lot of different locations, a lot of scenes. Like, I think we shot every scene with the Swami in one day. One day. So yeah, it's like crazy. you're the racing war through emotions. The war in one day. You shot the war in one day. We yeah, yeah. shot the scenes in one day. So there's like, there's mm-hmm. days that are just insane and you don't have a moment to think. And then you come out of the end of the shoot and you're like, that was all a blur.
2: Yeah, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't that fun because of how intense it was. There were a few days where I got ahead, where I was just, I knew I was gonna make the day early on, and those were fun days when I could just relax and kind of do it, but, uh, but for the most part, it was if I cut a scene, if I, if, if I lost a scene, it would really hurt the film, so I had to complete my schedule every single day, and there was no money for any makeup days, so it was do or die every day. And uh, and but we did it. We, we we literally we pulled it off. We didn't have to drop anything.
0: But a congratulations. Thank and you. B uh, well congratulations for finishing and also for enduring what sounds like an uh, unremitting uh, existential crisis. And that's, that's yeah. accurate. <laughs> it was accurate. And I uh, I remember by day three
2: I realized what this was going to be, and I just thought okay this is this is what it's going to be for another twenty three more days. You know just roll with it. But but every day was was felt like an existential crisis to me because I felt if I didn't pull it off, then if I lost a scene, the film wasn't going to work, and then they wouldn't let me direct another movie again. So which maybe wasn't too much
0: pressure on myself, uh, but nonetheless, that's what I was feeling. So as we were talking before we were rolling, that's classic proppuncha, this idea uh-huh. of like this this Buddhist concept of it's like something happens, you start worrying and you just immediately picture living um you know under a bridge. yeah <laughs>
2: yeah, no, yeah, but you'd also have to move on from it or it would be crippling. I mean, I had to direct a movie and uh, and I wasn't crippled. i we did it. We got it done every day, and that performances were terrific and, and that my crew was fantastic and I felt the work was at an extremely high level for the time pressure everyone was under. It was a lot of great artists all huddled together trying to make this story work that everyone was really passionate about and, and uh, I think that uh, everyone's very proud of where the film ended
0: up. Yeah agreed and of one but I enjoyed the movie very much. Oh thank um, you. Let me just talk quickly, because I don't want to hold you too long, about other stuff you guys are working sure. on. What, 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 do you, what do you go on to next? Are you going to direct more movies? What's, yeah. what's in the hopper? I don't I don't know what I'm going to direct next. Um, I,
2: I'm right now still releasing this film, so I haven't even thought about it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be writing a, a pilot for, for 20th Century Fox and um, that and Empire's coming back, season, season four, um, and uh, perhaps a Trump movie with Mark Halperin and John Heilman. Uh, who are writing uh, a book on it, and I'm very excited to read their book, and maybe it'll be who knows what it'll be? Maybe it'll be a Hillary movie or a, or a Bannon movie. or a...
0: what are the challenges of doing a Trump movie?
2: Um, I think the challenges of doing a Trump movie are that every day feels like four movies, and it's <laughs> so it's hard to have some perspective on what has actually happened. And when I did recount, And game change. Recount was five years. I wrote that after the Florida recount. Game change two years after the election. And you're able to have some perspective on what this means. You know, these movies, they're not trying to be documentaries or pieces of journal journalism. They're trying to be stories. And you know, I hope this doesn't sound pretentious, but pieces of art in a way. And art needs to reflect upon a subject matter from a bird's eye point of view, from a global point of view, not a, um, this is what happened point of view. And so to do a Trump movie or a movie about that election, I would need to be able to feel as if I know what that what that global story is. What are we trying to say uh, on a much larger scale? And it's, I don't know what that would be right now. It's, it's too soon, but it's in a few months, six months, who knows? Uh, uh, as soon as their book's done, which, like I said, I'm very excited to read. Just as a fan, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be a gangbusters book. So uh, I'm sort of waiting to, to see what that, what, that, what that story ultimately is. Uh, I will say the story in the movie Game Change was about how our elections uh, are becoming more like reality shows and <laughs> that we're much more interested in personalities than substance. Yeah, Prescient. Um, yeah, and, and then what happens? The next election, a reality show star wins. So I don't know if maybe it's a continuation of that theme, of um, of and, and what does that say about us as as
0: a as a country? Yeah, Mark calls it the freak show. Yeah, uh, and and quickly on um, on Empire, did you have a sense that Empire is going to grow into this phenomenon? No, I had no idea.
2: I I never thought it'd ever get made. To be honest with you, that they would ever shoot the pilot. It was this cool idea that I, I pitched to Lee Daniels as a movie. I thought, oh, that that, that movie could get made. And then he called me and said uh, he loved it, but he thinks that it's a TV show. And I said, yeah, yeah, it could be like Black Dynasty. And he said, yes, Black Dynasty, that's what it is. And uh, we pitched it and we sold it to Fox, but it just seemed too out there uh, for uh, network television, I mean, a show, a hip hop musical that attacks homophobia. And that's what, that, that's what it was when we conceived it. So. Um, and then the fact that it exploded into this uh, phenomenon was was wild to see. And and, uh, and
0: now you're the king of hip-hop. No, well, yeah, I, I would like to think I'm the duke of hip-hop. Oh, fair, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And uh, I know you're working on X-Men now. I'm sure you've signed all the sorts of non-disclosure agreements, and if you talk too much about it, a fleet of attorneys will descend from the sky. Exactly. Um, but what can you tell us uh, about, about the movie that is legally safe for you to do so? Uh, yeah, it's,
1: it's called uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix. Um, so it's about Jean Grey and you know her descent into becoming the Phoenix. Phoenix embodiment of herself, and then uh, yeah, so it's it's about that. And Simon Kinberg, who wrote the last few movies, is directing this one. Um, and and so far, from what I can gauge, it's got a very dramatic, kind of darker um, tone. Um very yeah, so it's it's going well.
0: The arc of your career is really interesting. me starting in About a Boy, and then being in that amazing British series that I just loved, Skins. Oh, nice, um, thank you. Uh, and you were great in it, and now you're you're J.D. Salinger. Yeah. Did you foresee this uh, playing out the way I it has? I knew is? it. <laughs> 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 I will be Salinger. I absolutely <laughs> knew it. Um, no, you
1: never... Yeah, obviously, you, you never know what script's going to arrive next, um, and there's not really a set game plan career-wise for me. It's just kind of trying to do interesting roles and characters, and I find that as I get older, they become more and more interesting, and I get to learn from great people more and more, And and, and I'm enjoying it, so...
0: But it also just seems like a a, a, a pretty big step, a, a big piece in your evolution to go from the types of roles you've done up until, until now and t- to doing this incredibly meaty. Well, yeah, and that's that's
1: something that I've looked forward to when I was younger. You know, the actors that I would look up to, um, people like Michael Fassbender and Tom Hardy and James McAvoy, and all those guys. I'm lucky to have met and worked with now. But all of them, the the, the roles that I found the most interesting in. Um, and brilliant in well, you know, when they were coming up to being 30 or just after they'd turned 30 and around that sort of age group. And I think that's something that, that comes with, yeah, maturity. So it's something that I've kind of been looking forward to. And this role was certainly one of the first I read where I was like, wow, okay, proper adult.
0: Which is why you hounded Three. this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, last question Given how private he was, Salinger, how do you think he'd feel about this movie?
1: I mean, you, you answer this perfectly, mm-hmm. so I
0: know you've got it. Uh, well, he'd
2: hate this movie. I mean, this is the last possible thing he'd ever want is someone to make a movie about him. And personally, I never would have done it if he was alive, because I think it would have been very emotionally painful for him, which is not at all what I'm going for. And he would have sued the hell out of me, uh, too. But I do think that he is a uh, major historical figure. He's no longer with us. Uh, There's already been a documentary about him, you know his life is worthy to be explored but more importantly um, I think that what he went through of having gone through the war and then coming out of the war and creating a masterpiece after suffering the the, the horrors of that experience is a really inspiring story and I think it's a, a really moving story and I think that it can help people. I've already had many veterans who've seen the film uh, taken by it, just taken by what he was able to accomplish and also taken by him going away to the woods and people f- feeling a desire to to perhaps do that. But it's just this idea that um, his story is worthy of one to be told and worthy to be a film.
0: And um, And I was honored to get to, to do it. Thank you both. Bravo. Thank you.